Our meditation for this fifth Sunday in Easter is on our Gospel reading, the Gospel of St. John, the 16th chapter, beginning in the fifth verse. Hear the word of our Lord. Now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In our gospel passage today, our Lord Jesus explains his upcoming ascension as being necessary for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Historically, the Holy Spirit doesn't get much attention. Now, the witness of Scripture is that he prefers it that way. While he is the third member of the Trinity and he is fully divine, he is God, he prefers to bear witness to the Father and to the Son for the sake of the gospel and to gather everybody together. The Holy Spirit likes to work in the background. But unfortunately, on account of this, many people in the church simply ignore what the Holy Spirit does. And this leaves the church vulnerable to various heretics, especially from the modalist persuasion, to butcher these passages and confuse poor souls. The modalist, who believes that God wears different hats but is really just one person, the modalist will say that Jesus ascended into heaven, became the Holy Spirit, put on his Holy Spirit hat, and then descended upon the church at Pentecost. Obviously, this is not the case, as we understand Christ's baptism in the Jordan shows all three members of the Trinity together and distinct. And our Lord Christ refers to the Helper, the Holy Spirit here, the Spirit of Truth, as He, as somebody being distinct from Him. But as easy as it is to knock down terrible modalist arguments, that is not going to speak to the heart of the Christian. You can only spend so much time refuting the counterfeits before people notice that you don't have the genuine article. Thankfully, in our passage today, our Lord Christ 
gives us the genuine article. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, in stark, powerful, and precious words. When he says that the Holy Spirit is the helper, the paraclete, or advocate, one who speaks on our behalf, who makes all this work, without whom we can do nothing, he is comforting the apostles. He is saying, I am going to go away, but I am not leaving you alone. Foremost in our mind, then, should be the comfort of knowing that God is not leaving us without a special presence. This is salutary for us to understand, that we should always be aware that the Holy Spirit is with each and every Christian upon our baptism for life. But with that said, we must also be careful to understand what the Holy Spirit is here for. In verse 8, our Lord Christ says, When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He is there to convict them, to shame them, and expose the world before all concerning sin because they do not believe in me. What does this mean? If somebody does not believe in Jesus, their sins are still imputed to them. The world, the enemy of the Christian, must know this. The church, emboldened and motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, bears witness of this fact. If you do not believe in Jesus, your sins are not forgiven. This is the second use of the law, the mirror which tells us we are sinners. In fact, the entire ministry of the law, right now, is prosecuted by the Holy Spirit. He is the one calling a spade a spade. He is the one telling us what sin is, and he is the one ensuring that we understand our guilt. This includes the notion of righteousness. Our Lord Jesus says, Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. During Lent, we emphasized that Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, is righteous and perfect, and we are not. On Good Friday, we highlighted the fact that people hated him, for his perfection. He stands for the righteousness that we do not have. If somebody is in the presence of Jesus, they understand their unworthiness. But with Christ going to the Father and with us not seeing him until his return, who is the one convicting the world of the righteousness that they do not possess? That is the Holy Spirit. He is the one that inspires every one of these rebels out there to say, Oh, these Christians are so arrogant. Oh my goodness, they just think they're perfect. You know, they don't understand my situation or my circumstances or what I need in life. They are speaking defensively because in the back of their minds, they know that they are sinners who cannot get away with what they are doing forever. And they judge Christians as being 
arrogant or having superiority problems precisely because, in the back of their mind, they know that the case is truly that Christians are just humble enough to accept salvation offered by Christ. Christians have listened to what the Holy Spirit is speaking through the word to their heart. But for the unbeliever, what is the Holy Spirit saying to them? To put it in a word, they're damned. Verse 11 says, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. If somebody wants to be a member of Satan's kingdom, capital W world, the second enemy of the Christian, then they will get exactly what they want and they will follow the devil into the lake of fire. The Holy Spirit bears witness to all men and women who do not believe, saying, you are going to be judged just like your ruler unless you repent. Now, we Christians may hear these words and feel a little vindicated. Oh yes, finally, go get him, Holy Spirit. The world is judged. He is convicting the world. Yes, Lord, please squish these people and tell them how ungodly they are. But we should be humble. For in these words, there is a very salutary warning. If you are a Christian, baptized believer in Jesus Christ, then this applies to you, should you decide that you want to be a part of the world. If you accept the world's morality, if you accept their frame, if you decide for yourself that you are going to have the time of your life by accepting the edicts of the empire, burning a pinch of incense to Caesar, deciding that your children will go to their schools and learn their way of living, the Holy Spirit says he will convict you as well and urge you to repentance. Do not follow the world. We are told to trust in Christ for our salvation. We are told to trust in his righteousness, not our own, especially not our own works, which are rags before our Heavenly Father. And we are to escape and come out of the empire that is the world. When we do that, when we repent of our sins, when we turn to God and say, I need a Savior, I cannot do this on my own. Then the Holy Spirit's other ministry comes into play. Our Lord Jesus tells the apostles this night, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. What does he mean by this? Our Lord Jesus Christ is truth himself. And everything he has done is true. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, bears witness to a very specific truth for us. He says, first, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he says he will declare to you the things that are to come. The prophecies, say the eschaton, judgment, the resurrection, our ultimate victory in Jesus Christ, these are things which the Holy Spirit reminds us of when we turn to him. 
And not just the things that are to come on a cosmic level, but also those things that are to come in our own lives. If you turn to Jesus, if you trust in him, then your future is eternal beatific blessedness. Eternal life. Go to Jesus, the Holy Spirit says to your soul. And this makes it clear what all the truth is in verse 13. In verse 14, our Lord Jesus says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the gospel. Our Lord Jesus crucified for us sinners and rising again on the third day after his death so that we may be justified. Everything that belongs to our Lord Christ is declared to us. Everything concerning our Lord Jesus, his passion, his resurrection, his kingdom, and his future return to set everything right is brought to us by the Holy Spirit working through the means of the sacraments and the word. Lutherans, for a long time, have too often referred to the law and the gospel as these separate entities from God, like a fourth or a fifth member of the Trinity that act on behalf of their own goals and agendas. Oh, lex semper accusat, the law always accuses, as though the law were a person. As though the law himself was there staring over you and the Holy Spirit is off in the corner looking worried about what the law is going to do to you. That is not the case. The one responsible for the efficacy of the law in all three of its uses is the Holy Spirit. The one responsible for the healing salve of the gospel which refreshes our souls and tells us that we have eternal life in Christ, that comes from the Holy Spirit. He is there to make sure, as the capital W witness, we hear God's word. He is the author of Holy Scripture. He is the one who pricks your conscience when you sin. He is the one who says, Be not afraid, our Lord Christ has died for you when you hear the gospel. He is the one that unites you to Christ and seals your salvation upon your baptism. He is the one bringing you to the altar at communion. The Holy Spirit makes this happen. And over the course of our walk with our Lord in this life, the Holy Spirit is the one inspiring good works in us and transforming our lives through his means. Our Lord Jesus comforts the apostles with these words. When he reveals the ministry of the Holy Spirit on earth, to them, saying that they are not left alone, and if this is true for the apostles, it is true for you, our Lord Jesus, teaching us how a relationship with God works, either with conviction toward the world or comfort to you, or even salutary warnings that this is what happens to those who go for the world. Knowing then that the Holy Spirit works through the means of grace, through word and sacrament, 
I exhort everyone listening to this, may we be in the word every day. May we remember the promises of our baptisms every day. I encourage you to have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit by reading the word, by remembering the sacraments, by not forsaking everything that he is saying to you. When he speaks, we ought to listen. If he declares something to us, we must be the hearers. And we must rejoice then that he does this for the salvation of our souls. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.